it is another week. This is Andrew Wood, Executive Director of Hope Resource Center. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether that be live over at Joy620 or you're listening to the podcast at investinghope.com, Google Play, iTunes, Podbeam, wherever podcasts are found. You can find this show, still a lot to talk about, uh, going on in the country. We are awaiting the Dobbs decision out of the Supreme Court. Uh, every time I hear that decisions are coming out, uh, I wait and I anticipate, and then they don't talk about the Dobbs case out of Mississippi. Uh, and so we just keep waiting. We are prepared to uh, to talk about whatever decision that is. We still hope the leaked draft from Alito and from the Supreme Court a few weeks back is accurate and Roe will be a thing of the past. But until that decision is official, we are in limbo trying to figure out and pontificate what is going to happen. So what I want to do today is look at a number of things that are out there. There's a great opinion piece over at the Washington Post talking about uh, Roe, and even if it's overturned, how Congress must still act to protect the unborn. I want to look at what states currently have, what laws states currently have on the books concerning abortion. So uh, we can kind of get a sense and an idea of what it will look like in a post-Roe era, and then we'll just continue to talk and go from there. So the piece over the Washington Post, it it says this, if the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, it will be an enormous achievement and a necessary first step toward obtaining justice for vulnerable unborn members of the human family. But when blue states proceed to enact legislation to permit abortion to the very point of birth, it will be the duty of Congress to enforce constitutional rights for the unborn through federal legislation. As Justice Alito leaked draft opinion in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization shows, the Constitution confers no right to abortion. Its 14th Amendment, however, entitles unborn children to the protection, indeed the equal protection, of the laws. States that fail to protect the rights of the unborn violate this guarantee. The 14th Amendment, ratified in 1868, extended the equal protection of the laws to any person. Although the court in Roe rejected the argument that the fetus is a person protected by the 14th Amendment, the majority's reasoning was notoriously poor and its conclusion, conclusion incorrect. The historical evidence is overwhelming that at the time of the amendment's ratification, the word person had a settled public meaning that included any child living in the womb. As Robert P. George, together with Oxford University's uh, legal philosopher John M. Finnis, explained in a Dobbs amicus brief calling on the court to acknowledge fetal personhood, elective abortion, the taking of unborn human life where there is no threat to the mother, was from the earliest centuries at common law treated as unlawful during all stages of pregnancy. The 14th Amendment, similar to the Civil Rights Act of 1866, it, it was meant to support codified equal protection of the fundamental rights of persons, including life and personal security. As these, has been, as these had been expounded in William Blackstone's commentaries on the laws of England and leading American uh, treaties, the com commentaries began with the discussion of unborn children's rights as person across many areas of law. Based on these authorities and landmark English cases, state high courts leading up to 1868 declared that the unborn child throughout pregnancy is a person and hence under civil and common law. To all intents and purposes, a child, as much as if born, uh, is a child and is a human. By the end of 1868, three quarters of the states had enacted criminal laws against abortion at all stages. These statutes classified abortion as an 
offense against the person. And nearly all describe the unborn victim of abortion as an infant or a child. Because state laws allowing elective abortions necessarily deprive a class of human beings, those at the earliest stages of development of the equal protection of the laws, they violate constitutional rights. Such laws render generally applicable statutes against homicide, inapplicable to a disfavored class of persons, and expose unborn children to lethal violence. These are precisely the sort of wrongs that the 14th Amendment was designed to rectify. It equipped Congress to meet this challenge by granting to it in Section 5 power to enforce by appropriate legislation the amendment's due process and equal protection guarantees. As the Supreme Court explained in 1880 case, whatever legislation is adapted to carry out the equal protection of the laws against state denial or invasion is brought within the domain of congressional power. A false, pseudo-originalist approach to the constitutional interpretation would claim that the 14th Amendment does not protect the unborn because it was most immediately intended to, to, to protect black Americans against discriminatory, unequal treatment. But the amendment's framers deliberately chose the broad term persons to empower Congress to protect any human who might be denied due process or equal protection on any ground. Another mistaken argument claims that the unborn cannot be protected by the 14th Amendment because it begins by declaring that persons born or naturalized in the United States are citizens of the United States. But that provision establishes which persons are citizens and therefore entitled to the privileges and immunities of the citizenship. It does not say that only citizens are persons. Indeed, it clearly acknowledges persons who are not citizens. And the due process and equal protection provisions of the amendment expressly protect all persons, not just citizens. Finally, although the Supreme Court purported to narrow the scope of Congress's Section 5 enforcement power in, uh, in one case, federal protection of unborn children remains within Congress' prerogative. As Bourne acknowledged, it is for Congress in the first instance to determine whether and what legislation is needed to secure the guarantees of the 14th Amendment, and its conclusions are entitled to much difference. By reversing Roe in its rejection of fetal personhood, Dobbs sets the stage for Congress to remedy state encroachments on the equal rights of our tiny sisters and brothers at the dawn of their lives and secure our nation's promise of equal justice for all. Now, I know that's a long-winded uh, piece there, but it's important because there's a lot of conversation about personhood and, and, and are we dealing with persons or, or is a fetus a person, or is it a blob, or is it a clump of cells? Does it have cardiac activity, or does it have a heartbeat? Does it have its own DNA or blood type, or are we just sitting around waiting to see what pops out of every mom in the delivery room? That, you know, that, those are the, the conversations of the day, but the reality is we all know what it is. We all know that it's a human. We all know that... It's life in the womb. We all know that when we get the gender reveal invitation that we go and we celebrate because we found out if the baby's a boy or a girl. We know that when we get the baby shower invitation, we celebrate because we're excited for a mom or dad that is having a baby. We're, we're excited that these families are, are getting a chance to bring life into the world. When someone posts on social media the 
picture of the pregnancy test and it says positive, we celebrate with them. We say congratulations because we're excited for them. We don't comment on those posts and say, well, you know, I hope that clump of cells eventually turns into a baby. Good luck with that. When, when moms and dads post on social media and say, we heard the heartbeat today, we don't comment and say, well, it's not really a heartbeat, it's cardiac activity, so I'm not really sure what you're celebrating, but enjoy your clump of cells for the next nine months. And then hopefully, you know, maybe it'll be a baby. Maybe, it, maybe it'll become human at some point. No, we don't say that because that's nonsense and it's, uh, it's ignorant and it would be hateful to say that to someone. But the interesting thing is, if one of our friends send us a baby shower invitation, we celebrate with them, we say congratulations because they want their baby. If one of our friends in culture says, you know what, I'm pregnant, but I'm going to abort this baby, there are some people in our society that celebrate with them and say that's a, that's a bold and courageous decision that you're making to end the life of your child and terminate your pregnancy. And the dichotomy there is striking. That in one instance, we celebrate because the baby is wanted, and in another instance, we celebrate because the baby is not wanted. So in one of those instances, is it a blob of cells, and in one of those instances, it's a human? Seems like a reasonable question. It's a reasonable question that shows the hypocrisy of our culture and our society. That in one case, when a baby is wanted, we celebrate. In one case... When the baby isn't wanted, we celebrate with a bold decision of abortion. Seems odd. You know, that there are, there are humans in our society, old, young, and everything in between, that some would say aren't wanted. Some would say they're not loved. They don't have a family. They don't have friends. Would we say it would be better for them to have their life ended? Of course not. We have laws on the books that protect them. You can't just go around taking the lives of those that, that are quote-unquote not loved or not wanted. No, we have laws on the books to protect them, but some of our states in our union have laws in the books that allow for the ending of a life all the way up to nine months. Folks, the, the 14th Amendment wasn't just to protect uh, our black brothers and sisters. It's certainly that. But it's to protect all persons. And so if you're going to, in 2022, make an argument that, that the life growing inside of a woman is not a person, well, you're just lying to yourself. And, and you're showing your ignorance. And, and, you know, oftentimes I don't assign malice in those cases, but it's, it's, it is malice. Because there's no one that can make that argument with a straight face. It, it is a human. It is a life. Now, we can argue whether you believe it should be protected or not. But what we can't argue in 2022 with the advancement in science, 
What we can't argue is whether it's a life or not. It is a life. 100%. No question about it. The science is settled, as they say. The science is settled because we can see in the womb via ultrasound. We, we know that there are surgeries that are performed on babies in the womb. We know that we give baby anesthesia while they're in the womb because they feel pain. We, we know that we have laws on the books and, and things on the books that say you can't do certain things because you're pregnant. Why? Because we're trying to protect the baby that's growing inside of you. We're not trying to protect a blob of cells. We're trying to protect the human that's growing inside of you. So you can say all you want, it's not a life. You can say all you want, that it's not a heartbeat, it's cardiac activity, but you're lying to yourself and to everyone because it is a life. It is a human. Now, we can argue whether that human should be protected by law, but you can't argue if that is, in fact, a human or not because we know that it is, in fact, a human. And so if we know that, Then, okay, we got that out of the way. It is a human. It's a life. Now let's wrestle with should that life in its earliest stage be protected? I would say, of course, it should be. But I realize there's a lot of folks in our society that says otherwise. There's a lot of folks in our society that says, well, it, it just depends. It depends. Is it the first trimester, the second trimester, the third trimester? So apparently, as, as you grow in the womb, you become more human. It's a weird thing that we convince ourselves of. So the question are, is, are you more human at conception or are you more human at 20 weeks? Are you more human today? Or at nine weeks in utero? Are you more human at eight months of pregnancy or one day after delivery? There is no magic that happens that makes one more human as they grow inside the womb. Yet that's what we've told ourselves. As a culture, that's what we've told generations since 1973, is that you're not fully human. There are some that would say you're not fully human until you're born. That's nonsense. We'll talk more about it when we come back. So as we continue the conversation, look, you know, it is, it's, Interesting to me that that in uh, the year 2022, we're, we're still having folks that are claiming it's not a life in the womb. It's just, uh, you know, for, from a from a group of people that say the science is settled. We've heard that a lot over the last two years when it comes to a number of things. Well, the science is settled. Uh, but the reality is when when we talk about babies and lives in the womb, the science has been settled for a long time. But for whatever reason, they don't say that when it comes to life in the womb. For whatever reason, those folks don't recognize that around 80% of OBs do not perform abortions. Why is that? Why are they not performing abortions? If it's such a a great thing and it's women's right and all of this, why, why are they not performing abortions? Well, I think they're not performing them because they know what it's doing. Right? You know, every... 
when, when you're going into that OB appointment and you're pregnant, the OB is definitely acting as if that person growing inside of you is a human. Why do they tell you to get care so early on? Why, why do they tell you to go see the OB so early in the pregnancy? Is it because of the protection of you or of the baby? Well, they're doing that because they're, they know that it's a life. But we lie to ourselves to justify the extreme laws that we have on the books. So what I want to do now is kind of look around the country. What does abortion look like by state? I'm not going to go through every state, but I did want to pick a few states so we can get an idea of what is happening right now. And so in Alabama, abortion is legal up to 22 weeks after the last menstrual period. The state has a pre-row ban that has not been repealed. People seeking an abortion must wait 48 hours before getting the procedure and undergo mandatory counseling and an ultrasound. In 2018, voters admitted the state constitution to say abortion rights are not protected in the state. And, um, and so we'll see. Right now they have some pretty strict laws, but they do allow for 22, abortion up to 22 weeks. Let's see Arkansas, what they have. Abortion is legal up to 22 weeks after the last menstrual period. In 2019, Arkansas passed a trigger law that would ban abortion, with the only exception being to save the life of the pregnant person. Arkansas has a pre-born, pre-row ban that has not been repealed. People seeking abortion must wait 72 hours before getting the procedure and must undergo, undergo mandatory counseling and an ultrasound. Abortions cannot be performed for reasons of sex selection in Arkansas. In 1988, Arkansas passed the Constitutional Amendment saying state policy is to protect the life of every unborn child to the extent permitted by federal constitution. A total ban on abortion has been enjoined since 2021, and separate bans on abortion at 12 and 18 weeks have been enjoined. Uh, so let's see California. Abortion is legal up to fetal viability. In 1969, California courts ruled Protecting the right to abortion. Legislation passed 95, 2002, 2003, and 2013 has codified the right to reproductive choice and explicitly broadened the definition to include birth control. A law requiring a parent or guardian's consent for minors seeking abortion care has been enjoined since 1997. District of Columbia, abortion is legal up to fetal viability. Uh, in 2020, D.C. amended previous legislation to protect the right to abortion. What about Florida? Florida, abortion is legal up to fetal viability. A 15-week ban passed in 2022 is set to go into effect July 1. People seeking an abortion must wait 24 hours before getting the procedure, must undergo mandatory counseling and an ultrasound. 1989 ruling by the Florida Supreme Court found that the state constitution guaranteed the right to an abortion. What about Georgia? Georgia, abortion is legal up to 22 weeks after the last menstrual period. Georgia has a pre-row total abortion ban that has not been repealed, but was struck down in part by a different 1973 case separate from Roe v. Wade. People seeking an abortion must wait 24 hours before getting the procedure and must undergo, undergo mandatory counseling. Legislation banning abortion after six weeks has been enjoined since 2019. What about Illinois? Abortion is legal up until fetal viability. In 2019, Illinois passed legislation protecting the right to abortion. 
The state Supreme Court also found that its constitution guarantees the right to abortion. A state law bans abortions performed for reasons of sex selection after fetal viability. A pre-viability sex selection ban has been permanently enjoined since 1993. Let's see, what about Kentucky? Abortion is legal up to 22 weeks. Kentucky has a trigger law that would ban all abortions if Roe v. Wade is overturned. People seeking an abortion must wait 24 hours and get counseling and an ultrasound. Six-week and 15-week bans on abortion are currently enjoined. Bans, let's see, a ban on abortion for reasons of sex and race selection is also enjoined. In November 2022, voters will weigh in on a constitutional amendment stating that the state constitution does not guarantee right to abortions. What about New York? Abortion is legal up until fetal viability. 2019, the state codified the right to an abortion. In May 2022, the state announced a $35 million fund to support abortion clinics. What about Tennessee? My home state. Abortion is legal up to 20 weeks after the last menstrual period. In 2019, the state enacted a trigger ban that would ban almost all abortions if Roe v. Wade is overturned. In 2014, Tennessee amended its constitution to explicitly state abortion is not protected by the state. People seeking an abortion must wait 48 hours before getting the procedure and undergo mandatory counseling and an ultrasound. A 2020 law that would ban abortions at six weeks is currently enjoined. What about Virginia? Abortion is legal up to the third trimester until 28 weeks after the last menstrual period. Unbelievable. What about Wisconsin? Abortion is legal up to 22 weeks after the last menstrual period. Wisconsin has a pre-row ban on uh, on abortion, which would potentially uh, be applied if Roe is overturned. People seeking abortion must wait 24 hours uh, and get an ultrasound. So that's what's going on in states right now. Obviously, the states... Um, that have trigger laws in place, we'll, we'll see a major difference. We talked about this last show where some states that trigger law goes into effect and immediately uh, abortion is banned. Some of those states it goes into effect and there's a 30-day waiting period. That's where Tennessee is. Some states the attorney general has to sign off on it. But all that to say that currently even the, the most conservative states, abortion is legal up until 20 to 22 weeks. Now, why is that? Part of that is because since Roe has been passed and put in, since Roe has been put into place, states had their hands tied. So states have been incrementally trying to shift and change and, and enact laws that would prevent abortion. So they're enacting laws that say you have to have an ultrasound within, and, and then wait 48 hours before you get the abortion. So you're having to do things like that. But the the reality is we uh, that incrementalism has been a necessity under Roe. But when Roe is gone, states like Tennessee that currently allow for abortion up to 22 weeks, well, that's going to be that's no longer going to be the case. And in states like New York and California that say 22 weeks or fetal viability, they're going to allow for up to nine months. 
I mean, that's where we're going to be. So, so there's a reason why certain states do not have stronger laws on the books. That they may even have the law on the books, but it's enjoined or it's in, it's caught up in the courts. Why? Because the court has been legislating since 1973. The court has been deciding, and and I, and I believe that the data and the number is before 1973. Before the Roe case, there were like four states in the union that allowed for abortion. Four. And then you have the court legislate with, and they're not supposed to legislate, but you have the court make the decision with Roe v. Wade, and that four goes to 50. Just like that, overnight. And hopefully in the coming days, we're going to see a change to that. We'll be back. So as we continue the conversation, uh, look, there's a lot of talk going on about abortion in our country. You know, the interesting thing, I was having a conversation the other day with with someone, and the news moves so fast in in our current culture that when the leaked document occurred, a lot of people, uh, you know, got upset and, and got bent out of shape uh, about the possibility of Roe being overturned. And then, you know, we waited about a week, and you're not hearing a lot of talk about it. You know, it's people moved on to Ukraine, to monkeypox, to uh, guns, and 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 so the it's just or to Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, like all these things are just everything happens so fast. We have a short attention span and we move on. But the reality is that there's a lot to still talk about and a lot happening. And so there's a, a piece by Michael New, who, who's a great. Uh, writer and journalist, and, and he's analyzing a, a new Wall Street Journal uh, survey that was released. And it says this, last week, the Wall Street Journal released the results of a poll, a public opinion on abortion conducted with the National Opinion Research Center. The poll surveyed more than 1,000 adults in May after Politico published a leaked draft of Supreme Court Justice's uh, majority opinion in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization. The result of the poll seemed to suggest that there has been a significant increase in public support for legal abortion. For instance, the survey found that 57% of respondents said women should be able to obtain an abortion for any reason, an increase of 14 points from 2016. There are several reasons why pro-lifers needn't be especially concerned by the results of this survey. First, a poll conducted in the aftermath of, of the leaked draft opinion likely doesn't provide the most accurate reflection of public attitudes toward abortion. Most subsequent media coverage was unsympathetic to the pro-life position, and it is possible that the negative coverage could have temporarily increased public support for abortion. Second, it has historically been the case that when pro-lifers appear poised to make policy gains, there is an attendant and temporary uptick in public support for legal abortion. During the late 80s and early 90s, before, before the Supreme Court's decision in Webster versus Reproductive Health Services and Planned, P, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, several polls showed a substantial increase in public support for legal abortion that later disappeared. Third, in recent years, multiple polls conducted by this survey company have shown an increase in support for legal abortion. Uh, NORC conducts the General Sur Social Survey, which has asked respondents the same questions on abortion since the early 70s. Specifically, uh, they ask whether abortion should be legal in a range of different circumstances. Since the 80s, the, they, uh, 
has typically found that majorities oppose abortion in cases where the woman is a low income, unmarried, and does not want to marry the man, or married but does not want to have more children. However, starting around 2018, that began to change, and a higher percentage respondents indicated that they would support legal abortion in these three circumstances. This suggests that there may have been a shift in the sampling mechanism affecting the outcome. Also, around 2018, uh, they introduced new questions on abortion, asking whether the respondent would help a close friend or family member who was obtaining an abortion. Individuals' responses to abortion survey questions are often sensitive to many factors, including the previous questions asked, which may have played a role in this uptick. Of course, it is possible that these polls are revealing an actual increase in public sentiment in favor of legal abortion, but there are other reasons to be skeptical. Most other polls from reputable research firms have found that opinions on abortion have remained fairly stable over the past few years. Recent surveys from Gallup, Pew, and the annual Marist College poll commissioned by Knights of Columbus have found stability in public opinion on abortion policy. Meanwhile, since the Dobbs draft opinion was leaked in early May, a few polls have posed specific policy questions about abortion and found strong public support for protected pro-life laws. Fox News poll released in early May found that a majority of Americans would support a 15-week abortion ban in their state, and a plurality would support a six-week abortion ban in their state. A new LifeWay research poll indicates that majorities oppose abortion after 15 weeks gestation, and a Wall Street Journal poll conducted in March found that 15-week bans enjoy plurality support. Overall, pro-lifers should not be discouraged by the results of this recent Wall Street Journal poll and should continue their efforts toward building a culture of life. And here's the thing. Even if the polls are accurate, we should not be swayed by them. Why, why do I say that? If we believe that an abortion ends a life, if we believe that a successful abortion ends the life of a human, I don't care what a poll says. Like, hear me when I say that. If the majority of my neighbors and fellow Americans believe that abortion is okay, that doesn't change the fact that abortion ends the life of a human. So whether there's a majority, a plurality, or a minority... The baseline is, is it okay to take the life of a human? The answer is no. So if the answer is no, that includes a human in the womb. I believe that the baby in the womb is a human, fully human. Bears the image of our, of our God and deserves protection, Period. So, yeah, these polls can say this and can say that. The reality is a lot of these polls, the way they ask the question, it provides them with the answer they want. And Republicans do that. Conserv uh, Democrats do that. Liberals do that. Conservatives do that. It, look, that's most polls. That's what they do. They're seeking to get an answer. And so they shape it so they can get their answer. That's just how it goes. Now, part of that isn't their fault. You're, you're doing a survey. You can't give a lot of nuance and uh, go into great detail and go, well, what about this individual case or, or, or what, whatever, because you're just trying to get it done quickly. 
but none of them are 100% accurate. And so it's probably somewhere, every poll that we've seen as far as the stability, most, the majority of Americans believe you should not be able to get an abortion in the second and third trimester. You know, somewhere between 50 and 60% believe first, first trimester abortions are okay. But to act as if the bulk of Americans, the bulk of people believe that abortion is okay up to nine months is just crazy talk. Crazy talk. The interesting thing, when I hear people say that they're okay with it, I don't even think they believe it. They just feel backed into a corner and they got to say that they believe abortion is a woman's right to choose. So they have to then look at a person they're talking to and say, yes, I believe it's okay to take the life of a, of a baby all the way up to nine months. If they believe that, they need therapy. Look, we can argue all day long about life and abortion and this and that, but to say that if a woman is nine months pregnant and then wants an abortion, not to protect her life, not because there's a deformity, not because there's any outstanding circumstance, just simply, I don't want to have this baby. To say that that is okay is nonsense. And sometimes we're so attached to our position on a particular issue that we twist ourselves to a place of we can't even allow for nuance. We can't even allow for debate. Now, look, I'll admit, when it comes to life and abortion, I mean, I'll debate you all day long. You're not going to change the fact that I think abortion is wrong. Well, Andrew, you don't have an open mind. No, it's not that. I just believe that it's a life. So it's a life that I can't take. Well, you're not taking it. It's up to the mom. No, no, you don't understand. It's a, it's a human life, and I'm not going to support the ending of that life, period. I, I'm just not. Again, I'll debate you on rape, incest, life of the mother. I, I'll have those conversations, and I'll be calm. And I'll be kind. But it doesn't change the fact that it's a life. The question is, is it a life? Is it human? And you know the answer. Of course it is. We know it is. Believers know it is. Non-believers know it is. Everybody knows. It's a human. We just, as a culture, have said, it's just not really human enough for protection. Think about that. It's not human enough. I was at a church this past Sunday, and the pastor gave a, a great illustration that there's a law in the books. I think it's like the American Bald Eagle Protection Act. If you go in the nest of a bald eagle... And you take an egg and you drop it and you break it. You are going to be charged with a felony. 
So the question is, is, is the bird inside the egg fully bird? Is it just a clump? Well, apparently the law of the land says you've done something so bad and horrendous that you should be charged. That we're going to go out of our way to protect the eggs of a bald eagle. I love bald eagles. I would never do anything to harm one of their eggs. But the fact that we have laws in the books to protect that bird in the egg, then they would argue that it's fully bird while it's in the egg. It's just interesting where our priorities are. We'll talk more when we come back. As we finish up today, I just want to say, look, we're, we're moving in, uh, we're living in history right now when it comes to the Roe v. Wade debate. Uh, I feel in my bones that we're going to see Roe overturned. I could be wrong. I mean, the, the leaked draft certainly points to that, but, um, but we'll see. You know, have one of the justices flipped? Uh, was that truly just a draft and not the final opinion? You know, we don't know, but but the reality is we must stay the course and fight the good fight. And the question is, is, is fighting for the and defending the most vulnerable in our society, is it worth it? Is it worth the time? Is it worth the effort? Is it worth the resources? Is it worth the prayers? Is it worth the mentoring the the helping young moms is it worth the fostering the adopting is it worth helping these young dads i had breakfast this morning with uh, with a guy that's that's a dad he's going to be they're having their first child in just a month or two so is it worth it i mean that's the question i was at like i said i was at black oak heights baptist church this past sunday and they're having Bible school this week, and and all week it, the the focus, the theme of Bible school is sanctity of life. So the kids are learning about life and and how God created life. They're taking up money for Hope Resource Center, which is pretty awesome. And on Sunday, Todd Stennett preached a, a message about abortion, and and it was a it, Look, the, the boldness that it took, and it's sad to say that it takes boldness to preach about life and, and the atrocity that is abortion, but a lot of pastors won't do it. But he did it. But what I loved about the message Sunday was he preached boldly about life, unapologetically about life. But there's also a young lady that shared her own abortion story. And what was also preached on Sunday was grace and mercy. And the love that was shown to that young lady who made a choice years back, the love, grace, and mercy that was shown to that lady was exactly what the gospel calls us to. So when we think about well, how do we handle this, and how do I preach, and how do I talk about this when I know there's people around me that have dealt with, uh, with abortion? Well, we deal with it the same way we deal with anything. 
We don't water down the truth. We don't water down the gospel. But we point to a cross. We point to a Savior that takes on sin. And the fact that he went to the cross for us on our worst day. So for this young lady that shared her story on Sunday, her worst day was that abortion day. Well, guess what? Jesus went to the cross for her on that day. So you can preach boldly and unapologetically on the truths of the gospel. You can call out sin. Because we don't have the good news if we don't get the bad news. And so as we're having these conversations, and as I'm saying things that are maybe tough for some to hear, that it is a life uniquely made. That it's not a blob. That it's not a clump. That it's not simply fetal cardiac activity. That it's actually a heartbeat. That it has its own DNA and blood type and fingerprint. That's one thing my, my kids came home last night from VBS and said, I said, what'd y'all learn? And they said that we have fingerprints, that everybody has their own fingerprint. I said, huh, isn't that interesting? And my son said, even identical twins are unique. Yeah, they are. Every person that's ever walked the planet, uniquely made. It's pretty amazing. So the question is, is life worth protecting or not? Of course it is. It's worth the time. It's worth the effort. It's worth the resources. It's worth the prayers. If you want to help us do that at Hope Resource Center, you can visit us at investinghope.com. If you want to listen to this show or other shows, you can find that at investinghope.com as well. Or you can tune in every Tuesday at 5 o'clock on Joy 620. We'd appreciate that too. We'll talk to you next week.